Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast, the weekly show with the Early Years Network. We are going to be kicking off this episode talking about the recent changes that came into play with the EYFS and the funding for childcare. Um, the EYFS changes came into play from the 4th of January, so last Thursday when you were listening to this. And we thought it would be good to sort of run through them, reflect on them. They're in place now. How do we all feel? What's going on? How did we first feel about them when the proposed changes document came out, when the when the new document was released in December and then obviously coming into play in January? So we thought we'd kind of go through all of those different things. And if by chance you've not had a chance to see it yet or you're unaware, we will pop a link out on stories uh, when this podcast goes up. So if you check our stories out, the following one will be a link to the government website where you can get the full full rundown on it. Or if not the government website, the Early Years Alliance, I believe, have put out a really good post. Yes. Sort of documenting it all and breaking it all down into even more detail. Um, yes. Do not take this podcast as these are the changes in black and white. You have to go and read it for yourself. Um, and these are our opinions. We don't have the same opinions on some things either. No. Um, and... You might not agree with us, you might agree. It doesn't matter. This is our opinion on it. Um, and this is how we've interpreted the document. I hope we've interpreted it correctly. But I'm sure we'll soon find out. I'm sure we'll find out. Um, and if you're a childminder as well, specifically, make sure you're well on top of this because there seems to be a lot applying for for specifically childminders um, and some interesting bits and pieces, which I'm sure we'll dive into. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with the changes in the EYFS that affect everybody and then there's also funding changes that ex- affect everybody that's not obviously included in the EYFS but it is something that people are talking about at the moment so we thought we'd sort of throw our two pence and in the pot. Boy are they talking about them at the moment. We'll, we'll get into that but first we'll just do the G- the EYFS changes that are affecting everybody. Yeah. So the first one which I think is a good change is that we now have two separate EYFS documents. Yep. We have one for childminders and one for group settings um, and I think this was really good because actually it was all merged together. I can imagine as a childminder trying to, to find exactly what you should be doing to make sure that you're covering yourself and doing everything right could have been quite taxing. Yeah, so yeah. I think having two documents is a good place to start. Absolutely. They could even go further. They could separate school-based and uh, group-based. Oh. If they wanted. That's another debate though, isn't it? We're not getting into that because I know your opinion on all of that. So that's another episode. Um, but no, it's good. It, it gives childminders, it recognises childminders as different, as they are different. Um, and 100%. the complexities of involved in childminders and absolutely. I mean, it's difficult as a childminder enough as it is anyway, because you can often, I bet, feel quite isolated. Mm. Um, so the fact that they're now, they've now got something that they can refer to that's not just full of like this nursery or private settings or whatever it might be, it's their own document. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I completely nice agree. Move. I think that is a good change. Um, the next one... Sorry, it'd be interesting to hear back from any childminders because um, I know yeah. we've got a fair few who are often actually quite active um, what they think of it and the separation and whether it's actually provided them what they want or if it's a good start but there's more that can be done and added to it and clarification, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. if you are a childminder, get into our DMs, drop us an email. Let us know. Send me a letter, <laughs> whatever form of conversation That's you want to do. Let, let us know. Yeah. Um, the second change for everyone is regarding children with English as an additional language. Yep. Um, so the wording in the document has changed from providers must take reasonable steps to providers may take reasonable steps. Now, I don't feel like 
we should stop supporting these children to learn English? It's a difficult one, is it? Because you can take it... We had a conversation around uh, this specific point uh, when it first dropped. Yeah. And it's a difficult one because you can take it one of two ways. You can read it as if older oh, now don't care about <laughs> children with second languages and we're now not going to do it because we don't have to do anything with it. Sod it all out the window and they're tough. Yeah. That's one way of looking at it. But realistically, no one in the industry, I would hope, would look at it in such a way. And instead, yeah. is it them saying we don't care or is it them saying, look, we trust you guys. We're not going to monitor you based upon the worst of the worst of the worst and tell you what you have to do. Yeah. And I sort of understand it because when we talk about English being a second language and children learning language and language development, it's so specific to an individual and it's really hard to then say, right, this is what you have to do. This is the black, this is yeah. what you have to follow. And we've moaned in this industry for ages that offset shackling us in a way that you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And we've said for ages, we want freedom to be able to develop children in the way we know for that individual child is best. And then when we get the opportunity to do that, because they back off. Are we kicking? We're then kicking people? back and saying, oh, well, you know, I'm not telling like, so I understand it to a degree. It's probably the wording of it and going from you must provide them, but then give us the flexibility around what we must provide. Probably the better way of looking at it than yeah. saying, yeah, you may do it. Because then that immediately alarm bells ring in your head thinking, well, some issues aren't going to do it. Some people it are does, not going to bother. Yeah. Not going not gonna to care. But I think it's as well like if there is a child who is learning English in your setting, you're not going to just ignore them and let them sit in the dark. So I'd like to think that regardless of what it says, we will support children with English as an additional language regardless. I mean, and it must be very difficult and it must be very taxing if, you've, if you're in an inner city, let's say London, and you've got 30 preschoolers. And you can have a few different languages, And 20 of them have... That's it's a very difficult thing to have as a must because you could have someone from a Chinese background, Japanese... Um, you know, four from different African nations, 12 of them from Eastern European, different nations, yeah. Baltic nations, like someone's from France. Like that's suddenly an incredible weight to bear. You to then have to introduce all those languages. In different oh, languages all over the place. Colossal. <laughs> and the children will be so confused. Yeah. Because if you're suddenly using Mandarin one activity and then suddenly you're using French and... Like, that's really confusing. And then there's one child in there who is just English. <laughs> and, he's, and he's struggling with language anyway. Languages, yeah. yeah, so I get it. I, when you actually think about it and actually break it down, for some nurseries where they've only got one child who's got, I don't know, say Romanian, and he's also got um, some behavioural issues, and, and I, that then you think, well, actually, I can put loads in place for that child and really, yeah, really, it's really the support individual them. looking at the yeah. child as a unit. Whereas when you've got loads from different backgrounds, yeah, no, you're right. it is taxing. And to then say they must be doing certain things. It's a lot. You know, I don't, I, I don't know. It's a difficult one. Yeah. So I think, I think it just goes back to just do your best for the children. For those individuals. We can't children. tell you what that is because you know your children. No, no, I completely agree. Um, the next one... Um, sorry, on top of that, what I would say is someone need more support than others. Figure that out and start yeah, there. Start there, yeah. So the next one is collection of physical evidence in regards to child development, etc., etc. Yep. And not you're not required to prove this. You're not mm -hmm. required to prove physical evidence in terms of assessments, observations, etc., etc. You just need to be able to talk about 
Yeah, how? they've just got rid of the word should, haven't they? It's effectively what they've done. No, because before you had to prove those things and now you don't. No, previously, didn't it say that you should not be required to prove this through collection of physical evidence? Yeah. And now no, they've changed not, it to yeah, no, you no, are no. not required. So that was, you should not be required to prove it, but do it still because it's good to keep those records. But now it's you don't. I think don't. just, I think because for ages, when they first introduced tracking and concepts of that, I don't know, let's say 15 years ago, then became an industry in itself, didn't it? The amount of like paperwork, paperwork, and people just console. went, yeah, um, do lally to like the completely other end of the of the spectrum. And suddenly yeah. we weren't looking after children; we were just documenting children. Can you do this? And I think I think they've been they constantly put out like myth busts us, don't they? Offset, and they're constantly trying to get rid of these myths. And then you hear stories of an offset inspector came to my nursery and they asked to see this, 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 and this, and then suddenly people go. I haven't got that. Yeah, we'll do it. absolutely. Yeah. And I think they're now just trying to put it into writing that you're not required. Yeah, like, you're not required. You, to there's no should about this. Um, no, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I sit on the fence because I do not want everyone in the industry, excuse me, doing tons and tons of paperwork to take you away from the children. But I also do think we should keep some form of records to show what children's development are, even if that is just to reflect back on so if a child, there's a lot going on at home, et cetera, and development takes a hold or something changes, you've got that to reflect back on and say, no, hang on a minute. I know that three months ago they could do this really confidently. So let's look into why. Whereas if I wouldn't have that documented down, I'd be like, mm, I think pretty sure they could do that. You've got a busy nursery, 100 kids a day. Like, yeah. It's good to have that to reflect back on. And it does take time. But if you know your children, it shouldn't take you too long. No. and To document something about them every now and then. <laughs> yeah, and if, if something's important, it's worth writing it down. And I think it's... The problem is tracking uh, the development of children is really important. We all know that. Yeah. It's how you can do it in the most succinct and time-efficient way. How can you track children really in-depthly, get really high-quality observations and assessments on them, while still ensuring that you're actually with the children constantly, you're giving them the interactions if they require. Yeah. Whatever way you can answer that is the right way to do it for you. And I think that's the, and I think Ofsted give it, are now recognised now and give them the freedom. Exactly. This, they're, not, they're, they're not telling you how you should know your children. They just expect you to know your children. They're yeah, ba- and and, and yeah, they're basically agree. going hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. The most effective way to do this is probably to track children. But you're not required to we are not shows. going to tell you how to do it. We just want the end Best outcome to be obvious and personal experiences though they will ask about a specific child in each age yeah. group and where they started and where they're at now and how you got them there yeah. and how you know yeah. so you don't have to show them physical evidence but in those situations having something to be like look this is what I do I don't have to show you this but this is how I do it it's going to help you yeah, yeah. So, and quality observations will help you because at the end will. of the day there's no point tracking a child if that tracking ultimately is worthless because you're either just making it up on the spot or people within the team are just willy-nilly yeah. ticking off boxes based on EY development or whatever they follow. And you're ending up with this superficial tracking sheet that's just ticking them along based upon where they roughly should be as a three-year-old anyway. It doesn't the rag system. Do anyone any good. Green. Yeah, but whatever system it is, it doesn't do a child any good if you're just ticking off boxes for the sake of it. No. But if you're getting really meaningful observations of a child, absolutely, that's perfect, isn't it? And you're linking the um, to the different areas of development. You're linking it to their social development, their emotional well-being. You, you, 
really getting you good holistic development than just observations yeah. and assessment. Those seven areas of learning, it's everything. Perfect. Um, and I think that's what they're trying to say. They're going to come and see if you know your children and they'll be able to see if you know your children based on one, the observation of the child and two, the activities, the environment and everything that's around us. Of that's course, yeah, that's what Ofsted totally. care about. How you get there is entirely up to you. Uh, and if you're in a really, really small setting, you've got a group of consistent children the same, the staff pool is very much consistent and you can do everything just because you know those children intrinsically within your brain. Fantastic, okay. then do that. Carry on, crack on. If you can't hand on heart, say that as a manager or a leader or you're in the room, then probably look at what you are doing and the patch you are doing. If you're the opposite though, and you've got loads and piles of information and actually you read the information and it doesn't weigh up to that child who you know, again, something's going wrong. So it's a case of fine tuning what you do, what works well for your teams and what works well for the outcomes of the children. No, I completely agree. Um, next on the list for everybody is there's a safeguarding change. Mm -hmm. So safeguarding requirements now say other electronic devices with imaging and sharing capabilities obviously should not be, which I take as smartwatches. Yeah, they're just cotton up. I'm 90% sure most settings have taken away smartwatches, um, but at least this just solidifies. There's no pushback from staff. It's a requirement. Don't wear a smartwatch. And it's not just smartwatches nowadays. You're actually now getting tech in glasses. So you're getting Ooh. those Google glasses or whatever they are. Ooh. Upgrade. <laughs> and you can record off, off your glasses and things like that. So it's just being savvy and, you know, unfortunately some... Horrible individuals will look to take advantage of that, I'm sure, and it'll be one in a million. Um, but it's, we, we have to we have to be on top of it for a second. But we have to know what the tech is out there that could cause us vulnerabilities. And they're just covering their backs by saying any other electronic devices. They, in other words, they're pushing the onus onto you guys to make sure you are aware of, of what's out yeah, there and what I'm can not be wearing them. dangerous. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to get to the point where you have to check everyone's glasses and. And to make sure, because if you look at them, oh, they're tell actually, me you can't wear my glasses. Well, I can't see the gear, did you? We'll have, have to scan you as you come in and make sure there's no God. there's no technology like that. I'm but blind. It's um yeah, it's that and it and and absolutely that. But watch, and it's not just a case of safeguarding from an image point of view and capturing images. It's a distraction. If you've oh, got God, your yeah. Apple watch and it's constantly buzzing and it's you know Sharon trying to organise Saturday night, you're distracted away from the children and the risk potentially involved with what's going on in the environment and then you shouldn't be. It's not worth it, is no. it? No. So get rid of those distractions. Get rid of those risks. Absolutely. Happy yeah. with that one. Um, the next one is the document for the qualification standards, which is going to make it easy to find and understand early years qualifications that are relevant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a big bloody document. It's a ball over this, isn't it? The amount it's of times to see people with their documents, document, with their certificates, saying, "Does this count?" Am I in? Now I quite liked the spreadsheet, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, you I could just control find and hate. Yeah. But I quite liked the, the the spreadsheet because I think that was really easy. It was before 2014, after 2014. It was all in order of levels and you can just find it for brilliant. The qualification standards document is really big. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I have scanned through it and to look at different things, but I'm sure it's easy to use. I think you, when you need to use it, if yeah. it and the trick is again, if you employ anyone, you've got their qualification. Make sure you get the certificate. Make sure you go ah. through it. Make sure you check it. It's another change. Oh, go on. Well, no, we'll get to that. Oh, cliffhanger. But do your due diligence and make <laughs> sure that you're aware and that you know. them as well. Yeah, let them know if they are relevant. Yeah, because it, it, it is it is a minefield, and then you bring in certificates from abroad and. It gets getting them changed over yeah, what yeah, they yeah. cross over to. Yeah, it's a minefield. So um they have brought that out to apparently make it easier to find and understand early years qualification. 
Good luck. Beautiful. Now, the next change for everybody, I'm going to throw it over to you. It's not in the UIFS, but we thought it was worth mentioning because it's all over the news. Um, is the government-funded childcare. Now, currently, as it stands, I'm going to do this really slowly to make sure I get it right. And you can tell me if I'm right or not. Do we just read it off so then we know it's dead on? Because <laughs> you got all these I won't days. second guess. So Go on. from April 2024, eligible working parents of two-year-olds will be able to access 15 hours childcare. So i.e. in a few months' time, 15 hours becomes available for eligible working family. parents. Okay. And... If you want to know the definition of working parents, it's on the government's website. You can find it. There is uh, boxes yeah. to tick. Then September this year, 15-hour childcare support will be extended to put eligible working parents. Again, same eligibility criteria, but this time it'll open up from nine months all the way then to three-year-olds. Okay. So they're just included half the baby room, if not more. And then from September 2025... All eligible working parents of children under the age of five will be entitled to the 30 hours. So once we get to the end of 2025, everybody... From nine months old, from a work... Well, it doesn't actually say that, though, does it? Because it says eligible working parents of children under the age of five. So does that that moment in time include three, four, five, six-month-old? Because by the dropping the use of nine months, one would suggest that anybody under the age of oh, five... I don't want to make them. that assumption. I don't know. But it's interesting because that's, that's the government's wording. Eligible working parents of children under the age of five will be entitled to their hours childcare. So from that, I would take it that every single child, regardless of how old they are, under the age of five, will be September. able to, from September 25, access the 30 hours if they hit the eligibility of being a working parent. Wow. So if this year it's 15 hours, government-funded childcare, please note the phrase I've used... It's not the phrase that they use. Um, What's wrong with free childcare? It's obviously free. <laughs> it doesn't cost anybody any money, does it? So it's free. It doesn't cost us anything to run buildings. It doesn't cost us anything to train staff. It doesn't cost us anything to feed them. It doesn't cost any... We're not doing that. It's the, it, it, it highlights the issue, doesn't it? There feels a really disconnect between policymakers and people on the floor. And that has always been the case in early years. And it forever will be. I mean... In schools, if you talk to anybody who's a teacher in schools, it's the same thing. There's any body that relies on government funding or government support will have qualms of it because the government, regardless of who's in power, who's not in power, will always have concerns and it will never be a, a truly great and efficient system. My only issue with that is, and in schools, they are a government-funded yeah. industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schools are, unless they are private schools, which are not no. pay for. We're private sector. We're private sector. Yeah. And we are now being pushed into a government-funded sector. We're becoming, we're, they're trying to bring us in-house effectively yeah. without actually the proper financial My support. other issue for that is, it's all well and good, all of the news. I turned the radio on on Tuesday, last Tuesday's morning, fresh year, straight to work, eight o'clock news. Free childcare. And I thought, I don't want to start my working year like this. That's fantastic. I, I think getting people to, getting children in early years environments is good because we know the benefit it creates for children. I'm not against lots of children coming into settings. The settings are full. Yeah. Having inquiries and say, right, fantastic. I want to start my child for you 15 hours in April. That's great. I've got a waiting list until September though, so you can't start. 
They've not thought about that. The it's, settings are full and we are regulated by how many children we can have in the setting. So where are we putting these children? It's an impossible scenario because you're stuck between a rock. If you're a policymaker, if you said, right, Ben, you're in charge of this whole thing now, what do you do? There's no wrong or right answer. Going on holiday. And then when, you, then when you factor body. in um, what everything else the government has to balance out and I'm, whatever your political leaning is in this conversation doesn't matter because to be in charge of the finances of the country and choose who gets the pot of funding and who doesn't get a pot of funding, there's not an endless amount of money. It's, it's an incredible hard thing to... I'm not to saying it's an out. easy job. I'm, I'm not saying that. I think the way it's been marketed and the way that the pressure on the industry to find spaces for all these mm. children is really, it, really crap. It is really, it is really tough. And I think you then got to think, the thing is, bottom line, you want to make sure vulnerable children 100%. whose families can't access childcare are able to afford and access high quality childcare and education. But are they going to fit the criteria of working parents? So then, then that's what it is, yeah. isn't it? Because those vulnerable that's, children that's from the, that's that's the thing. Poverty isn't it? Is areas, it, is it do I'll, they I'll, meet that criteria? That, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is the system they've come up with actually the most efficient and the most effective? Because you look at it and go, well, actually, they're just throwing money at individuals who don't need it. That could be one part of the argument. Secondly, the people who do need it are still can't access it or can't access. You might be throwing them funding at it, but they can't access it because of the places, like you said. Another issue, another major issue that doesn't really feel like it's being resolved. And then I think if you look at the bigger picture and nurseries as a whole and the private sector, and you go, right, hang on a second. You throw in this now to be, a, you're effectively making a private entity public in the sense of our only customer now or 80% of our customer or 90% of your customer is going to become the government through funding and the 30 hours funding. Right, okay. That's fine if what the funding rate we're receiving is... In line with, if it was an open market, we would be charging people because it is in line with yes. our, the company's key tool and their ability to do anything is their pricing. That is the main mechanism of any company because that is how you create the margins and everything you need to be able yeah. to successfully run and operate a business. You need that ability. No, regardless of what anyone's to have that opinion on it, people who, it is a business, yeah. it was business. And yeah. if it's getting to the point where because of factors external from our industry. So the price, well, the big one is always minimum wage rise and the, the, the massive hike that that has had over the years and hasn't sit in line with the increase in funding. You know, the, the, the minimum wage has done that. Fine, I'm all for pushing the bounds of um, making sure and pay. Absolutely, yeah. wicked. But with that same increase has to come funding. Otherwise, because if you've got inflation doing that, Momentary, I'm sure flow inflation goes up and down, fine. You know, in the moment they can't always match it when it's a massive price hike because they're not going to take it down when inflation drops. If it does drop, fine. But when you've got a government control mechanism such as uh, minimum wage doing that, 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 and then you look at their funding, again, government controlled, and it's flatlining, that is a major That's discrepancy. True. And okay, year one doesn't cause a problem. Year two eats into profit margin, fine. Year three eats into this, fine, fine, fine. By the time you're 10, 15 years down the line, people are going to start collapsing because the, the money is just not there. And so the problem might not come this year when, or next year or 2026, 2027 when they first introduce it because they may go, well, actually, 
our funding rates are in good positions and we're happy with it in terms of the fair market. And actually what you're getting is similar to where you would be. Right, fine. Okay, that might be the case. But are we confident that in 10, 15 years time, these funding rates, which now are 80, 90, whatever percent of our business are going to be kept in ahead of inflation, kept in ahead of or in line with the increase that we're seeing to minimum wage? No. No, I don't think I don't, business I don't think we are. No, I don't think we are confident that the government will routinely keep them in place. And so if that is the case, rather than capping us and controlling what we can do with our price mechanisms and our ability to price and charge, say, that's the, uh, why not utilise that money in a more effective way? Why not, rather than saying this is what you can charge now and that's only what you can charge because we're controlling it, why, not, why are we not using this money in a more efficient manner to target families and children who need it the most? Yeah. I don't have the answer for what that looks like. <laughs> I haven't given it the time of thought. I've not, it's not my job. But I think from people in the sector, and it'd be interesting to hear what other people's feedback is. The sector does need more funding. The sector does need more money. Yeah, but so does every sector within that yeah, area. And we can ask for more, more, more all the time. And we need more. And I agree. But that isn't going to happen, realistically. That is not what's going to come. So let's look at the money that we are getting and push the government to use it in a more efficient manner rather than just price locking us into, into a situation through funding that we can't get out of and we've now lost control of our business. We solely rely on, or going to become reliant on the government. That's scary. I think it's, um, it's like you said about the control of the pricing and things. It's always optional. Parents pay optional subsidies. Like, why are we locking that in? Because if, the, like you've said, if it doesn't match, then why can't we charge for food? Why can't we charge for different things? You don't, like, it, it just becomes, like you said, government controlled and then it, we're in a box then. Yeah, they're taking, our, they're taking nursery's ability to run their own business away. And, and that frightens the life of anyone, and, 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 and as it absolutely should. Yeah. Because you now don't have the ability. I mean, what, are we going to get to the point where nurseries then private nurseries have to turn their back on government funding and become like we have now public and private schools yeah. that's just going to do so much damage because then those who can afford good childcare and good early years education are going to get it but those who can't won't and what will happen then is all those private settings will gobble up all the best staff because wow. they'll be able to pay more because they're not reliant on the funding rate they're, they don't accept funding so they can charge whatever they want it just becomes then the best for those who can afford it again and those that are struggling and can't it's horrible the future to think of if that is honestly the way it's going to be forced to go it is and then and then are we going to repeat the same and, and try and bring more I saw a comment from he was one of the backbenchers of Labour or something they were talking about introducing more uh, earlier settings within schools again and you just think haven't we done this 15 years ago and, and, it, and it didn't work and there is something needs to radically happen within the industry um, and we do need more funding, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels like we're doing it in the most lazy, least efficient way possible at the moment. And that's the worry. Yeah. I, part of me just thinks that you just want to be listened to. We just want to be heard. The industry just wants to be heard. And we're not unthankful for funding that's coming through because every sector needs funding. Fine. It's the way it's being given and done to us is what is the issue. Taking the control away. It's yeah. people's livelihoods and business and... If you're sat there going, right, okay, let me forecast for, and I know it seems a long way, but businesses do look 2026, 2027. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've got no ability to forecast for 2026 because I've got not got a clue what I can charge. I've not got a clue what 
money coming in looks like. Minimum wage is going to be. You've just got to hope. But yeah, minimum wage, enough one. I mean, 11, uh, top of my head, 44, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 11, 34, 11, 44, something like that. 21 year olds now. And, and, from April. And absolutely. Um, the conversation isn't about, is that the right thing to do? The conversation is, yes, that is the right that thing. That is the right to thing. Do. 100% agree, yeah. But it. Are we going to pay for some to do it? Yeah, and and you, you can't just keep eating into profit margins because the more you eat into profit margins, the more you take that and erode that away, the more you're just going to walk down the product that you've got, and and nurseries will start to close because they can't afford to operate, and more and more closed. But at the same time, we're promising free childcare to parents. They're going to get frustrated because they're going, hang on a second, why is my free childcare being offered? Because they don't understand the ins and outs of it, nor should they. No. So they're being told they get free childcare. Where is this free childcare then? If nurseries are closing because they can't afford and Wow. We've gone off on a tangent. We have gone on a tangent, but it's 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 vitally it's important, important to be talking about because yeah. we could put our heads in the sand and wait for it to become a thing. But and, and my concern's not twenty twenty five, my concern's not twenty twenty six, it's twenty twenty seven, it's twenty twenty eight, it's twenty twenty nine, it's twenty thirty. In twenty in twenty thirty What's our industry look like? I don't know. It's scary. Because it, it's out of our control. Um and, and to be honest with you, it almost feels like it, it needs to get to a position where they need to backtrack on the flexibility businesses have to be able to charge more. And then fine, take some of that funding away and make sure it's going to those nurseries that need it and, and the, the areas and communities that need that money. I've not got a problem with that. I agree. There we go. Bends two pence into the funding pot. And yeah, and it'd be interesting to hear what everyone else's opinion is. I agree. Every, We've got every, to talk your, by otherwise we've your heard. perspective will define the way you look at it and your opinion on it. But I think 99% of the people would agree in the industry, those that need it should be getting the money. And then leave me to manage my business and do what I need to do to provide the best for I can for the children and the staff we employ. Yeah, Leave me to do that and 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 put the money to the people who need it the most. No, I 100% agree. Because the, the incredible thing about the free market is it will generally solve itself in a lot of ways, um, yeah. if the product is needed and, the, and people require it, support the families then that need help to do able to Access get to that. It. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Wells. What's next? Need a breather. <laughs> well, now we're going back to the EYFS changes. <laughs> is I'm, that okay? I'm sure we'll come back to funding again soon. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's not going to go away. You know. Okay, right. We're going to start with Childminders. Yep. What's in their document that's changed? Yep. Okay, from a training point of view for childminders, we are, they are no longer required to do formal training. They just need to demonstrate an understanding of the early years and EYFS. Do you mean they don't have to be qualified? Or no, they don't have to be qualified. Oh, right, okay. There was a qualification that they had to do, but now they do not need to do that formal training. Okay. Be interesting to know if they think that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah. Frustrates me slightly because... Group settings, we are rigid to the 50% and qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. And what a childminder does is no, shouldn't be seen as less. Yeah. So yeah, I believe that training should be in place. But then it's very difficult if you want to become a childminder, then you've got to do what, like a two-year-long course to be able to qualify and get... I don't know the ins and outs of what that course was. Uh, what it looked like before. No, but if they wanted to become like level three qualified, qualified there's yeah. a massive burden there to be able to do it financially and time-wise. So yes. That'll be a barrier to entry. Yeah, but I don't want it to feel like childminders. Oh, they're not qualified, so they're not as good. Yeah, and there's not an educational element to okay. it. It's just it's then seen as pure concrete child care as opposed to an educational education. element to yeah. it. So that's one change. Uh, the next change I do quite like is the key person change. Is that 
childminder assistants can now be allocated as a key person as long as the childminder seems them to be suitable to do so, which I think is great because if you're busy enough to warrant having an assistant with you, they should be able to At what to be- point do you become a nursery? What happens if you're a childminder with six assistants? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think that's good because... You have to have a big house, I suppose, at that point. Is, you've got uh, to have that many kids in yeah. it. In an early year setting, in a group setting, yeah. um, unqualified members of staff can be key people. So yeah. why not assistants? So I yeah. think that's great. Absolutely. Um, there's been some changes to the suitable premises. So areas such as kitchens, if, yeah. um, if you're using them and they're safe, then they can be used within your premises, space, sizing, et cetera, which I think is fine. Because um, more than the houses with big open plan kitchens... Your kitchen can be like half of your downstairs. 70, 80% of your downstairs space, yeah. can't it? It's not as it's not a cooking area, but it's a big wide open plan kitchen, yeah. for example. So it's if they feel it's suitable and safe, then it can be used, which I think again is good. Yeah. Um they've taken away the early learning goals that childminders have to be have to, are required to like log and track. I believe. Right, okay. Because that is something... But it says here it is rare that child minors would need to, to complete the UF profile assessment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think that makes total sense, personally. Yeah. Um, child protection in terms of making sure that everybody in their house is suitable to be around children is their own responsibility now. They have to ensure that anyone over the age of 16 in their household is DBS checked. Makes, again, makes logical sense. Yeah, sure. Um... Again, there's clearer guidance on who that should be. And if they ever 16. tried to bring that out for, because there is an element of, if you work in a setting, you should to be. make sure your partner and people you live with, do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a slippery slope and that sounds like a lot of work, but. We used to ask it. I know, but you could, just, you could just lie, couldn't you? You could just lie, yes. I suppose in a childminding environment, um, your partner could come home and the children will still be there. Your teenage yeah. son, daughter could come home and the children still be there. And they might be alone with the child while you... Talk it's a whole avenue to think and go down, but, you know, technically the, the vulnerability then is heightened if a member of staff works in nursery and husband is uh, a risk of some sort, is on the sex register or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a really horrible thought, I know, but... Interesting one. Yeah. The same from a safeguard. Uh, but yeah, for childminders, the guidance is a little bit clearer on their own yeah. responsibility. Um, first aid. Now, I've got written down certificates upon request. Yeah. And the same as registration. So if it is requested of them, they need to be able to provide proof of those modifications. Makes sense. You don't really want them, you don't want them sticking at your front door, really, do you? Exactly. Makes so you don't have to have everything hung up in your hallway. As long as you're able to access it and present exactly. it. Um, Having it on the computer makes both sense. Yeah. yeah. So those are the changes for childminders. Um, I'm not a childminder. So That's I don't the same for their certificate of registration. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, registration certificates upon request as well. Um, from look on the outside looking in, they look like reasonable changes. I don't feel that there is too, too much taxing to be done, yeah. if anything. Um, but again, I'm not a childminder. So if you are a childminder, what are your thoughts and opinions on those yeah. changes for yourselves? Um Group settings. Yep. There's four here that I want to talk through. Mm -hmm. The first one. Maths. 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 Maths at level two, so GCSE maths, 
is no longer a requirement to complete the level three early years qualification. However, it has no bearing on the EPA requirement, so the endpoint assessment that everyone has to do to complete the level three. Mm -hmm. Now, if those requirements don't change, people will still have to do their level three with maths. So what's changed? Potentially nothing. Okay. So if providers are... So then, guys, you read. So it's important to note that the DfE has confirmed that the change impacts the requirements set out in the EUIFS framework only and has no bearing on the apprenticeship endpoint assessment requirements. Yes. So if the assessment endpoint... The apprentice endpoint assessment requirements do not change and do not say that maths doesn't need to be included, we'll still need to have maths in place to be level three qualified. Now, I need to research if those changes are going to happen, when they're going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. But reading it, pointless change. So it's like having a bridge and saying you can access the bridge now and cross the bridge without a maths GCSE, but you can't exit the bridge without a maths GCSE. 100%. So everyone's just now going to be stuck on the bridge. We're going to have a busy bridge <laughs> if he's not got that qualification. Yes. So, there's, so, either, so they've, either they've screwed up royally with this and not actually thought it through. Or they have actually thought about it and it is going to change. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah. Right. The next one on maths is that managers appointed after the 4th of January this year, so after last Thursday, so Thursday. must have a maths GCSE. But they'd have to have that anyway to be qualified, wouldn't they? Not if they did it before the appointment did it a while ago. But they have got two years from appointment to complete that qualification. So that means loads of people are going to start doing their maths GCSEs. If they've not got it and want to become a nursery manager. The odds are, I mean, when did it start? When was it actually, when did this whole maths GCSE thing start? 2016, I want to say. Oh, right. Okay. So actually not. I want to say, don't quote me to that. That's when the new qualification of early years educator was implemented. So maths. Right. Next one. What's their obsession with maths GCSEs and working in early years? I don't know. I don't know. I can't think. Has anybody ever seen a correlation to those who are good at maths and those good at... Pythagoras theorem is part of most preschool curriculums, so... But I don't understand the obsession with it. Let's be honest. I think it's because... What makes... Let's say the baby room. What makes someone really good at being a baby room practitioner? Use of language, the ability passion, to emotionally connect emotionally with a child, connect, yeah. to understand what brain development is at that stage. I'd understand it more if they were like, okay, need at least... Uh, in science because that makes slightly more sense I guess because of brain development being a, a scientific aspect to it and that's what we're I mean I have my GCSE science but it wasn't a fun journey for well, me well what does figuring out the radius of a or the circumference of a shape have to do with anything not sure algebra not sure anyway next one alright we've rambled on so let's go student now students and apprentices who are long term can now be used in ratios as a level below that they're qualifying for based on performance. So if you have got an apprentice training to be level three mm -hmm. and the manager deems them competent, reliable, et cetera, et cetera, they can be classed as a level two qualified. When was it the training to be level two? They're being qualified. They're level two one. Now, I can't find this in the finalised document. I have read the EYFS back to front a few times now. Right. I've seen it in the proposed changes document. Did it get cut out? But I can't see it in... No, it's, it says it's a change. I can't find it written in the document. So if anybody knows what page it's on, what paragraph, and they can direct me to it, please do. 
Because I think it's a great change. I think it'll be great to be able to use level three trainees as a level two qualified, but we'll come on to the first aid situation in a moment. You should have just had something cut. What do you mean cut? From it, not change anymore. Uh, yeah, it shows just no, in the final. Is in the, it's not, yeah, it's not been cut. In, it's not in the final document. So it could have just been. But it could have been, but it's in everybody believes it's a change because it was in the proposed change document as a yes. My goodness, it makes it sound like it's been axed. So. Somebody help. Or it's to come. Because there is stuff to come, isn't there? There's a few things to come that I've got them as well. But that is a change that's happened and everyone believes it's happened. And that's great. I think it's great. I can't find it. Well, then I would advise everyone to err on the side of caution. And if it's not there, don't, yeah, exactly. It, so rely on it. But don't take my word for it. Look yourself. If anyone finds it, drop me a message. Let us know. Um, <laughs> you, if you guys could do the work, I'd really appreciate it because I've read it so many times. First aid. Hey, you've quite I've, passionate I've heard, about this. I've heard about this a lot. The EYFS still states that one member of staff must be first day trained within the building. Larger settings should look at the safety of this and judge how many should be and in place. Common sense. Fine. Yeah. If you've got two stories, big <laughs> nursery, 200 kids. Yep. One first aid might just have a stretch. Yeah. As many people who have first aid training, makes sense. Absolutely. Cover your back. Yeah. Cover all grounds, illnesses, holidays. Absolutely. But the document now says that anybody who qualified after the 30th of June 2016, which was when the new early years educator level three qualification came in, has to have paediatric first aid to be counted in the level two or three ratio. So all of those people who are training to be level three, who you now want to use as a level two qualified, fantastic. They've not got first aid, they can't. This document <laughs> came out at the end of December. From personal experience, there were some level three qualifieds that I know who were not first aid trained because they worked part-time, um, they didn't open or close a building, so you have to have those people that are opening and closing buildings to be first aid trained because you have to have someone on site. Fine. Um, settings might not be able to afford to first aid everyone, but do the majority of the senior leadership team. Fine. Those people are technically now not counted in the level three qualification. I would love to know how many settings are I've got staff booked onto level like training courses, hundred percent. I mean, if you're a first aid provider, oh, quids in. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Yeah, it. brilliant. Let's get them all booked in. Hike the prices up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. That, um, that will come. So, yeah. Having people first aid trained, 100% agree with. Giving people six weeks to train all of their level three and two staff to count in ratio over the Christmas period where a lot of settings shut was really shit. Yeah, absolutely. And put panic yeah, into yeah. people. Yeah. It also means that, I mean, myself, I... Qualified in 2017, I want to say it was, when we looked back, because uh, I did the Early Years Educator course. Um, my first aid will now need to be kept up to date, yep. even though I'm not in a setting every single day, to be counted in those level three ratios, yeah. which is a cost. Do you think across the country, it's the most illegal the earliest industry has ever been? Potentially. Because the amount of people probably having to do it now over these next few weeks... And it's finding the money to do it. It's finding the availability to do it. And if everybody it. in the industry is trying to do it at the same time, well, one, if you're a training provider, of course you're going to be priced, so why wouldn't you? Yeah. And secondly, you're going to be really, really busy and booked up. Yeah. And people might have, pers personal, might not be able to be free to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. What if you've got plans? 
I can't do that training course. No, it's okay. Well, no, you're not counting your ratio. It, yeah, it's huge. It's really poorly thought out. There should have been this. It comes into play here at this date for anybody newly qualified, and you've got until this date for anybody currently qualified to ensure that they've got it all in position. Yeah. And af- after, I mean, I after for- April the 25th, let's say, off the top of my head, if you've not got it in, then we will do it. Yeah. Now, I've not Fine. seen anything that says that. I might be wrong. I might have missed that, but there was nothing in the document that said you've got until X maths. The maths one, you've got two years to do it. That was written in. But again, if you've not heard about it, it's really, really poorly communicated, if that is the case. Because they have been on the that's what I mean. So That's what I mean. So if you've yeah. not heard about it, it's so not being communicated well. one, I am... Um, you can probably tell. Don't get it. Physical certificates. No, this is what you mentioned earlier. Yes. Now, all, fi- all qualification certificates must be verified by nursery settings, group settings, but they do not need to provide physical copies. Now, currently, the um, when people qualify, you get an email with the certificates on before the physical copy comes through. Yep. That physical copy might get lost in the post. That physical copy might get lost in the move, but you're always going to have that email download available. You can now use that. So you can have them stored on a computer. You just need to verify them um, and don't have to have a physical copy like we used to. You can have a electronic, which I think is good because... Yep. Trying to save the environment, let's have it all. Yep, the less you have to print off about, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's group settings. Now, the later date changes for group settings are, which I can't wait to come in, is an experience-based route to becoming qualified. So talk to me. How's this going to work? So it will be based on managers and the person will submit evidence based on what they're doing in the setting. Based on the qualification. Evidence to who? To the Department of Education. And it has to be approved. It will be need to be approved by the... It could take years. It could take years to get your documents back. So they're going to have an online portal. I would assume so. It doesn't exist at the moment. No, no, no. This is a... They want to bring in. Who's going to mark it? Who's going to look at it? Who's going to... I'm assuming the Department of Education will take some of the funding that they've allocated to early years to employ people to do that. I think it's a great way though because experience based will be great because I know some fantastic unqualified people who have been in the industry for six, seven years who could who are more than qualified absolutely in practice but not on paper so I do think it'll be good but the logistics of it could go I think it'd be great and I think it's a brilliant idea I just like we spoke about earlier I don't trust the government to do this effectively or efficiently at all so I hope I'm even wrong it does say it must be approved by the DfE so we'll see um, and the other one is the level six ratio. I mean, sorry, just go back. That doesn't that highlight though the government full well know there's a major issue going on in our industry. Hundred percent, because they want to. They, well, but they say they want to fix it. What a pathetic way of trying to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? We, oh, we we're going to do this at some point, um, but we've got no further uh, information. information. No. Nor are we really going to uh, divulge any plans. But, really, but it's going to happen, and it sounds good. Get everyone first aid trained. Yeah. In the meantime. In the meantime, get them all first aid trained, but there only actually has to be one in the building. It just shows how reactionary the people who make the laws are and just how reactionary they are to, to everything going on. No sense to me. Anyway, so that's, I think, will be good if it ever appears with us. And the last one is the level six ratio, so that's the one to 13 ratio, to only be a qualified teacher, early years teacher status, or early years, the EYPS, which is... To just bring more. On, yeah. Understanding to it. Um. But that's not happened yet. So at the moment, any level six recognised qualification can still use the level one, the one to 13 ratio, sorry. Um, but they want to bring it to be 
the teacher status, basically. But then they say they want to make it easier for us to access turning our level sixes into a qualified teacher status. Yeah. I mean, categorically, trying to fix the issues in the industry by just increasing ratios has to be a big no-no. Has to be. We have to make that abundantly clear. I know they've adjusted the one to five. But that's always in been the a in Scotland. It's been a know, massive but, shock to us in England, but actually in Scotland, yeah, it's always fine, been the case. It, you, we can't keep doing that. We yeah, can't put babies on one to four, preschoolers on one to ten. Like We can't do it. It doesn't work. That doesn't... Again, and I don't think they would now. I think they've done what they've done and I'll be very surprised if yeah. they tried to... But that also doesn't... They say that they've upped that ratio to help with the staffing pressures and children with these free childcare funding, whatever. Doesn't change the legal requirement for how many children you can fit in a building. You might be on a 1 to 5 ratio, 1 to 13 ratio, 1 to 8, 1 to 4, 1 to 5, 1 to 3, whatever you are. The amount of children allowed in the building does not change. And, and do you know what else? It doesn't change or help. The, the biggest issue, aside from funding what we spoke about, is the turnover of, of people and quality people within our industry and people leaving the sector. Just by bumping it to a 1 to 5 ratio, it's not going to help. Like, it's not worse. Yes. The people on the shop floor working day in, day out with these children, then having to cope with another child, then go out. And especially with what we're seeing across the industry at the moment with the increase in SEND children and those requiring help and support, it's going up and up and up, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and to then put them on a one to five ratio and then have to fight tooth and nail to get the support you need. And then you're probably not going to get it until they're ready to leave the preschool anyway, if you are looking enough to somehow get it. School. And they have to wait another 12 months to gather evidence. And 12 weeks, sorry, not 12 months, 12 weeks to gather evidence. And you just think... Finish yourself. Um, but yes, those are the changes. Now, the standouts for me, like I've said, I think the childminder changes actually make sense. I agree. I like the fact there's two. I think it makes it easier for them to know exactly what they're doing. Yep. No blind spots. Um, physical think, evidence, to be with you. safeguarding, the qualification standards document, fine, fine, fine. The group setting ones... I'm just a bit, I just don't get it. I think it all makes sense. I just don't think it's been either one well communicated or fully thought out in terms of... That's what I mean, I just don't get it. I don't don't know if those were the key areas that needed tackling. Yeah. It's... What do I know? In a lot of ways, it's... it's, And the reason why I haven't done loads and loads building up to this is it's something and nothing. You have to make sure you're on it. There are bits to do. There is work that's going to come from it, but it's not groundbreaking. No. Um, and it's not the change and the revolution that early years needs. But like I say, don't ignore it. Get on top of it. You've got to be doing Understand it, what so, you need to do. Yeah. If you've yeah. not done anything with it yet and you've not quite got your head around it, this is your wake-up call to go out there and, and, and think, hang on a second, Friday, are we in control of this? It. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I'd also be very shocked if, if Ofsted turned up anywhere and started closing people down or kicking up fights. I think you'd just get a little reminder and a rap on the knuckles if I'm honest with you. I'd be very surprised. But I've heard crazier stories, so <laughs> let's let's see what happens. So yes, so that was us. That yep. was our two pence on the situation. Um, and let's hear your guys' feedback. Let let's us know we, what do you think. If we get a decent amount of feedback, um, we'll address some of the questions in the next episode. Yeah. Yes, let's see what we, we get. Um, so throw it in. Let's start the conversation. Let's talk louder. Let's get heard. And. Have a good year, guys. It's going to be a fun one, I think. It's 2024. How fun is this? Um, Um, Yeah, no. So that's us. Um, So again, let us know. And next week, the topic will be slightly lighter. Yes. For us all to listen to. Yes. Don't worry. Lovely. It will be. So yeah, have a fabulous week. And don't forget to go and check out the Elias Network. 
for your learning yeah. and development. Yes. Get everyone signed up. Let's get pushing um, in the new year. And don't we have a really good year in terms of developing ourselves, knowledge, information, set goals. Um, Ash it. And let us know how we can help along the way. Exactly that. So, yes, we will see you in the next one. All right, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.